Welcome to Watershed's September podcast. My name is Mark Cosgrove and I'm the Head of Cultural Programme here at Watershed in Bristol. Picking up from last month's sign-off, I did indeed make it to Tilda Swinton's ballerina ballroom, Cinema of Dreams in Nairn. Whilst the Scottish summer weather moved through various shades of grey, the festival made up in the way of colour. The high street frontage of the old ballroom was hung with a colourful flower welcoming display. Inside, the hall was decked with Chinese lanterns. The all-essential rake for ideal cinema viewing was achieved on the flat floor with beanbags for lying, followed by two rows of deck chairs, the front row cannily lower slung than the second. These were followed by upright, if a tad unforgiving, plastic chairs. By the time we arrived, audiences were already selling out and the deck chairs were at a premium. Such was testament to the festival's success that Margaret Rutherford as Miss Marple in Murder, She Wrote was already on its third repeat screening. The intimacy and idiosyncrasy of the inaugural festival was evident from our first screening where Tilda Swinton with her entourage of kids mingled freely. The lights darkened and Marlon Manson's version of My Own Personal Jesus blasted from an excellent sound system. Tilda and festival conspirator Mark Cousins kneeled and rocked under ladders which were strategically placed either side of the screen. A single spotlight traversed the audience's heads, highlighting the occasional fist punching the air. Towards the end, Tilda and Mark climbed the ladders, hoisting a banner which reads The State of Cinema. A simple but effective theatrical moment. We are in a newly proclaimed state of cinema. Perhaps resonating with a tradition of oppositional cinematic moments such as Dogma 95, or the Oberhausen Manifesto of 1962, or perhaps it's a cinematic reference of solidarity to the revolutionary Republican ethos of Passport to Pimlico, or maybe we are simply being invited to reflect on the state of cinema. From aloft ladders, each screening is introduced by the charming couple to much enthusiastic audience clapping and cheering. The Margaret Rutherford screening allowed those dressed in pyjamas in for free, The sight of Tilda Swinton climbing the ladder in her dressing gown will stay with me for a long while to come. The less said about Mark Cousins' furry slippers, the better. There was, however, a serious point to the state of cinema. The ballerina was trying to put centre stage, and very aware of the importance of star power to do so, the reclaiming of the cinema experience is a communal immersion and celebration of the history of world filmmaking that can be forgotten in the commercial sweep of the now, the latest, and the next blockbuster. The selection of films was a mixture of, yes, the idiosyncratic, the childhood pleasures of the aforementioned Margaret Rutherford and Basil Rathbone's Sherlock Holmes, but also the extremely rarely seen by the relatively unknown. Amongst these, the revelation for me was Sergei Parajanov's 1964 Shadows of Our Forgotten Ancestors a free-form love story with elements of carnivalesque and the spiritual, a striking cinematic language and great soundtrack. Parajanov is probably best known for The Colour of Pomegranates from 1968. There was a strikingly topical element about the screening, as Parajanov was born in Tbilisi, Georgia, from Armenian parents, and his adult life was spent in opposition to the oppressive Soviet state system. For more information on this extraordinary artistic talent, see www.parajanov.com. The other was the Bill Douglas trilogy, My Childhood, My Ain Folk 
and my own way home, made through the late 1970s. A series of films which increasingly stands apart from most British filmmaking as flowing from a rich European tradition, but being distinctly and austerely Scottish. As Mark Cousins indicated in his introduction, this was filmmaking as a form of personal recovery. Indeed, the near final shot of the now stripped childhood room resonates with a primal scream intensity. I was absolutely convinced that whilst the first two parts were in black and white, the final part of the trilogy was in colour. It made sense in my mind as A, I was sure I had seen it so, and B, in the third it seemed to me to make perfect aesthetic sense that the character had made the journey from the austere black and white of his childhood to the possibility of happiness and colour at the end. Fired by such feeling, I confidently bet my sceptical colleague, who was quietly insisting it was all in black and white. We watched the film and as the third part came on I was shocked and thankful we hadn't wagered any cash to discover it was indeed in black and white. I mentioned this to Mark Cousins. He, to my slight relief, said that in the early screenings the labs had cocked up and printed out on colour and it may have been one of these copies that I had seen. On getting back home I reached for The Lanternist Diary, a fascinating and definitive account of Bill Douglas and his small but increasingly significant and powerful body of work. It recounts the commissioning and production process for the trilogy and how there was much scepticism about the commercial wisdom of black and white. Douglas was persuaded by the then production division of the British Film Institute to shoot on colour stock and have the option of outputting onto either black and white or colour as an insurance policy. Interestingly, the Scottish Film Council chose not to invest in the film at all, concerned about the negative perception it would create of Scotland. I wonder what they think about that decision now. The trilogy stands increasingly as a major, monumental piece of filmmaking, Scottish or otherwise, and is most definitely the yin to the other Bill's local hero, Yang. This month at Watershed, we have a focus on Austrian filmmaker Ulrich Seidel, someone who I feel more than exemplifies the spirit and ethos of the state of contemporary cinema. Seidel's new film, Import-Export, was in Cannes last year and kind of went under the critical radar to the Romanian Palme d'Or winner Four Months, Three Weeks, Two Days. I saw it at the film's competition screening and was struck by its rawness and bleak but somehow optimistic humanism. It tells the story of two characters, Olga, a young nurse and mother from the Ukraine, cannot earn enough money to keep her family. She tries to earn more money on the side, resorting to performing sexual acts live on the internet. She eventually migrates to Austria, where she ends up as a hospital cleaner, treated with casual and not-so-casual disdain and racism by her Austrian employers. Paul is an unemployed young Austrian who cannot hold down a job, and ends up taking second-hand gambling machines to the slums of the Ukraine with his violent, drunk and depraved stepfather. I didn't know this at the time, but Seidel films in real locations and often uses real people. So it is indeed a real internet porn setup, and it is indeed a real Ukrainian slum. The blurring of boundaries of reality and fiction is bracing, and the effect to force the viewer to think about the reality of these people's lives in the brave, new economic, new European world. Without knowing any of this, my initial can viewing of import-export was to feel the presence of a serious director with a significant cinematic eye, 
and importantly something to say about the contemporary world we live in. My immediate comparison was with the Polish director Krzysztof Kieślowski, for me the most important European director of the second half century of cinema's lifespan. I was determined to find out more about this director. The result is Between Heaven and Hell, the films of Ulrich Seidel, which opens at the Cambridge Film Festival and Watershed at the end of September, before touring the UK and Ireland. We also have a preview of Import-Export with a talk by the director. I now do not feel the comparison with Kieslowski, in particular his decalogue, is too disingenuous. It transpires that Seidel's early works are all documentaries, which unsparingly and unflinchingly observe his fellow Austrian obsessions, which range from the intimacy of prayer to aspiring young models and people who love their pets. Of the latter film, Animal Love, Werner Herzog said, Never in cinema have I looked so directly into hell. And that's from Werner Herzog. Kieslowski, similarly in Poland, started out in a raw documentary tradition. The documentary eye provides both filmmakers, perhaps ironically, I'm not sure, with an essentially cinematic style. Seidel's body of work to date is brave filmmaking. Confrontational, yes. Unflinching, yes. But also deeply humanist. There is a warmth there. There is no easy polarity of good and evil in his cinematic universe, only the space that we all occupy, somewhere between heaven and hell. For more information, see www.watershed.co.uk forward slash Seidel, S-E-I-D-L. It's all for now. Thanks.